Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Next Level Christianity series, which walks through the book of Philippians, seeing how God wants us to grow to the next level. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Philippians chapter 1 tonight, and uh, we're going to jump back in to our second message of the series uh, that we're going through right now. Uh, studying out this, uh, this letter from Paul. And uh, we learned last week, it's just, uh, it was called a prison epistle. Had somebody ask, well, what does that mean? Because aren't all of them epistles of Paul? The word epistle just simply means letter. And so when we say prison epistle, it's a prison letter, something that Paul wrote from prison. And so we learned last week that Philippians is one of the, uh, one of the four uh, letters that was addressed or written from Paul uh, while he was in prison. Of course, this letter is written to all the believers in Philippi. You go to chapter uh, 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, I'm writing to all the saints, to the bishops and to the deacons. And he says, grace be unto you and peace from our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to get into why he's writing the letter. And last week, we kind of took time to see uh, the title of the message was just getting to the point because Paul just got right into the point. And he, he began to write about the idea of being an encouragement. Hey, I just want to be an encouragement to you. I want to, I want to help you. And in those verses, I think verse uh, eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there, uh, Paul says, I want to write to you so that your love would grow and grow in knowledge and in understanding. He said, Hey, I want your love of God and your love of people to have depth. I want you to know why you love, who you love. I want you to have discernment with your love. And then he said, because I want you to be able, uh, look at verse number, I'm gonna turn there real quick and re-preach the message. But uh, look at verse number uh, 11, or verse number 10. He says that you can approve things so that you may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Saying, hey, I want your love to grow in knowledge and in understanding, knowledge and discernment, because I want you to know and be able to discover things that are of the better value. That's what that verse was, verse number 10. I want you to know what's of the best value. And so if you can grow in the Lord, you're gonna know what God has for you and what decisions to make in God. And I just love the thought, Paul is really just helping them in those first 11 verses understand, I wanna write to you so that you can continue moving forward in Christ. There wasn't a lot of rep, there's not a lot of reprimand in this letter. There's not a lot of correction. There's not a lot of uh, 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 things that Paul is addressing. He's just writing and saying, hey, I want you to know you can have what we're calling next level Christianity. Until you die, God has growth for you. And we finished last week really just with one statement that until you take your last breath, God's not done with you. He's not done with you. Until you take your last breath, God is always working, wanting to grow you and use you and shape you and me, and he has purposes for us each and every day. And so Paul, he's writing with these thoughts in mind. And of course, behind these thoughts were uh, Paul's desire just to be an encouragement. And don't you love the letters, the Pauline epistles, uh, Paul's letters? When you look, I know a lot of people say, man, I find a lot of comfort in Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and in Philippians. And uh, the reason, I think, is because you can really get a hold of Paul's heart. Man, he, he loved people, and he just wanted to encourage people and help people know Jesus. And what a great goal for all of us, to have a goal of just helping people know Jesus and, and love him more. And as we come to, uh, to our time in the Word of God tonight... I just want us for a moment, I want us to put ourselves in the place of Paul. I want us to put ourselves in that, it's called the Mamertine prison, Mamertine prison there in Rome. 
And I want us to, just as we think about the, the passage before us tonight, I want us to think about Paul's journey to this prison cell. He's been in, in custody, arrested, for over two years. Two years ago, Paul was in Jerusalem. And he was in Jerusalem for one of the feast times and in Jerusalem to celebrate and in Jerusalem uh, really to be a help to that church at Jerusalem. And yet while he was there, we, found him, we find him being arrested and falsely accused. And uh, we find people laying upon him just hard accusations that were not true. And because of that, of course, the Romans, they put him under arrest because the Jews kind of told them to. And almost a, a similar scenario as to what happened to Christ and Jesus's arrest and the, just the false accusations that came. And so Paul gets arrested. In there, he goes under, uh, you know, what we would call a kangaroo court. He just goes before different people, and pretty soon you find Paul going from one court system to the next court system. And he goes from Jerusalem, and he goes all the way up to uh, Caesarea Maritime. And in Caesarea Maritime, we find Paul uh, in trial again. And then from there, uh, he pleads to go to, to, um, uh, to Nero. I want to go before the king. I want to go before Caesar. And so they say, all right, you're going to go before him. He gets left in jail for two years. He gets forgotten. And then they put him on a ship. And on this ship, he gets shipwrecked. You know the story, right? Acts 27, he gets shipwrecked. And it gets upon, uh, goes on this island that they don't, this mysterious undiscovered island they don't really know about. Of course, we know Malta or Melita. And they go there. He gets bit by a viper on this island. Well, that went, they winter on the island, a new uh, spring comes, and they get a new ship, and now they go into Rome, and you, Acts 28 recounts for us Paul getting into Rome and calling the Jews before him and saying, hey, listen, I, just, I am here uh, because I've been falsely accused because I'm preaching Jesus, and that we didn't know anything about this, but tell us what's going on, and Paul recounts for them everything that he's been going under for the last two and a half, three years. So here you are, Paul. That's been your, your last few years, and now you're sitting in, in a jail cell. You're sitting under, at times, house arrest, at times in the cell. I, I just want to ask you, what would your attitude be? What kind of a spirit would you be having? I don't know about you, but if you had been arrested for just simply preaching Jesus and you had been lied about and you've been, uh, people attempted to kill you and you have faced storms at sea, shipwrecked, all of the things that he's facing and now you're sitting in house arrest, sitting in a jail cell. Uh, I don't know about you, but if it's me, I'm probably not thinking the best thoughts. You're probably thinking, God, what in the world? Like, God, why is this happening? God, don't you know, right? We'd be kind of rationalizing with the Lord. Don't you know what I'm doing or what I've done? Uh, God, I thought your plan for me would be better. But tonight, our outlook probably wouldn't match what Paul's outlook is. Because my, my question would be, is in that scenario, how positive would your outlook be? You know, would you be looking at things thinking, man, this is awesome. Man, this is great. God is setting some things up. Oh, this is so good. We probably wouldn't be thinking that. And yet tonight, what we're gonna discover is as Paul begins to really get into some thoughts in his letter to the church at Philippi, we're gonna see that Paul had a wonderful spirit of seeing positive in the midst of negative. 
Here he was in this horrible situation, and Paul's outlook was one of seeing the beauty of spring while he was in a cold winter, or seeing new life after a, or, or while you're in the midst of flames. Paul was in the midst of heartache, and yet his outlook was completely positive. And so tonight, I want us to look with in this thought and just get a little glimpse of his perspective and be challenged to see positive even when we're in the midst of so much negative. I don't know about your life and where you're at. I do know culturally right now, there's a lot of negative going on. And as a Christian, it might be hard sometimes to say, where's the positive? And in your life, there might be some negative going on. You might have come through a rough situation the last two years or one year or eight years or 15 years. I don't know. But tonight, we're not sitting in a prison cell in Rome. Our, our, our circumstances are probably a little bit better than Paul's was. And so if he can see positive in the midst of his negative, I think we'll be challenged tonight to find some positive even in our negatives. And so let's look at the passage tonight, Philippians chapter 1. And stand with me if you would, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12. And I'm going to read the, <clears throat> down through verse number 26 so you follow along. As I read, Paul writes, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not, or I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy and, and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. There's some awesome verses when you look at these verses tonight. But I think uh, the key verse that we need to see is verse number 21. A lot of people think it's probably even the key verse in the entire book of Philippians where Paul simply wrote this, to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're going to look at all of these verses tonight. We'll see that one here in a few minutes. But a great passage tonight where I believe Paul, in the midst of so much negative, is just saying, hey, I see Jesus working. I see positive even in my negative. And tonight we're going to be challenged to do the same. 
Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment tonight and, and ask God to speak into your heart. Give God permission to show you what he wants you to see tonight in his word. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word and how you use it. And God, I'm thankful tonight for the passage before us. Lord, it's helped me this week and even today has been an encouragement in my mind and on my heart. And so Lord, I pray, I pray that tonight you would use it to speak into the lives of every one of us here and those online. And Lord, uh, even those that may watch this this week, I pray, Lord, that it would be an encouragement and help to them. And Father, I, I know there's a lot of negative going on. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that see positive in the midst of negative. Help us to be challenged with this tonight. We'll praise you for what you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we come to this passage tonight, I want us to notice that while Paul was in prison, he was seeing more than just walls. I noticed, first of all, tonight in Paul's perspective that in Paul's perspective, through his bondage came boldness. Through bondage came boldness. I want you to notice back at the very beginning of, of our passage that although Paul was imprisoned, he was discovering that through his bonds or through his bondage, through his imprisonment, many people, including himself, were growing in boldness. Notice what he says in verse 12 down through verse number 14. Paul says this, but I would that you should understand, brethren. Hey, listen, I'm writing, what I'm about to tell you, I want you to know this is what I think about it. That the things which, have hap which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Hey, listen, my bonds, everything that I've been through has just caused the, has made the cause of Christ extend further. How so, Paul? Notice what he says. So that in my bonds, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. They're much more bold to speak the word without fear. In his bondage, Paul was seeing so many more people have a boldness to reach others with Christ. That's what these verses are saying. Hey, listen, my bondage has caused more people to be bold and speak for the cause of Jesus without fear. Think about this. Paul was facing trial because of being a Christian, and yet in that very palace, he writes that in the palace, as well as other places, this is taking place. Well, what's he saying? There were believers, and we know this from other letters from Paul, even in the book of Rome, or the book of Rome, the book of Romans, as well as other places, that there were believers in the palace. And here's what Paul is saying. Hey, me being imprisoned here has given them courage to step out and speak up. I mean, my, my negative situation has brought about boldness in other people. We know that there were high-ranking officials who had trusted Christ as well as low-level slaves, but many of them in this passage, Paul is saying, hey, they were not fearing what could happen to them if they proclaimed Christ. Even though Paul was in, Paul was in, in chains for being a Christian, there were people in the very palace that he was enslaved in that were speaking boldly the word of God without fear. Paul's bondage, it was causing boldness within the palace, but then he says, and in all other places, 
So outside of the palace, we know from Acts 28 that while Paul was in prison, that uh, he was allowed to have visitors and there were many people that would come to him while he was there. I'm thinking of uh, different um, things in um, Galatians and Philemon and other places where Paul wrote about people who were being a blessing to him when he was imprisoned and when he was in bonds, even though they may, they may not have been prison epistles. Colossians, Paul writes about it, even though it may not be a prison epistle. He writes, hey, I was, be, I was blessed from you. But what did, what did Paul find out? He found out that his imprisonment was causing other people to say, I could speak up for Jesus. His imprisonment was causing other people to say, uh, there is a cause greater than me. Man, Paul, you're being a great example to me because you're not caring what's happening in your life and it's giving, your, your, your bondage is giving me boldness. He says, even those that were, <clears throat> that were jealous of him people that were jealous of him, that were out speaking Christ to maybe even try to hurt Paul a little bit and, and gain a little bit. We know that was happening because of the book of 1 Corinthians. book of 1 Corinthians says that there were factions among Christians trying to, uh, trying to make their, if I could say it this way, their little kingdom larger. And so there were people preaching Christ. They were helping people get saved, but then they're trying to get their own little following. Paul wrote, writes about that in verse 15 through 18 when he says, hey, there are some that preach Christ and they preach him of envy and of strife. Some also preach him of goodwill. But regardless, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, and they're, why are they preaching him of contention? Because they're trying to add to his bonds. They're trying to make Paul feel bad while he's in prison. The other is preaching Jesus knowing that he's set for the defense of the gospel. He says, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. He's saying, hey, I, I don't care if they're preaching him because of envy or strife, because they're trying to expand their own little kingdom, because they're not maybe getting the big picture. Uh, there was a lot of things going on with the, the Pharisaical Christians and Gnosticism and different things taking place. And yet Paul is saying, hey, I don't care if people are preaching Jesus. I don't care what spirit they're preaching in, because I rejoice in the fact that people are getting saved. Uh, now, if I'm Paul, I'm probably writing and saying, hey, why are you preaching Jesus with such a bad attitude? We could say that nowadays. I know many in here probably don't even pay attention to uh, social media of, of uh, different churches or pastors, but I'll be honest, there's a lot of pastors out there and a lot of churches out there that the spirit that they have is just mean. I remember I was talking to some evangelist friends one time years ago, and they said they got invited to a meeting to, to sing and minister, and right as they pulled up, they didn't know much about the church or anything, right as they pulled up, there was a big banner, and that big banner said, Bad Attitude Baptist Meeting, and they were like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of bad attitude Christians out there, not just Baptists, but Christians. There's a lot of bad attitude believers out there, and Here's what Paul is saying. I mean, my idea, I want to correct them. I say, what are you doing? Don't you know? And try to correct it. Paul's saying, hey, listen, if the name of Jesus is preached, that's all I'm concerned about. In all of that negative, I mean, you've been arrested, falsely accused, gone through storms, thrown in jail, and now you're, now you're awaiting trial, maybe awaiting death. And yet your outlook is, hey, I don't care. I'm just glad Jesus is being preached. I'm just glad boldness and people are becoming more bold with the gospel. 
I'd say as we look at this thought tonight of finding positive in the midst of negative, I want you to know that while our negative, it, it may not be prison and the same struggles that Paul, Paul faced, I, I want to say that every single one of us in the midst of our negative can still find positive. For Paul, he and all other believers saw through the, his bondage, they saw an opportunity to boldly speak up for Christ. Can I tell you tonight that your struggles, it can bring about a boldness, and I can bring about boldness and opportunity to share Christ. The negatives that you face may just be something that God wants to use for you to share Jesus. That's the simple thought. The negative, the, the struggles, the situations that you and I face in life, they may just be an opportunity that Jesus is trying to bring into your life to give you boldness to speak for him. Think about this. I mean, whatever challenges you face, they could be a chance to tell someone about his love. That flat tire, it could be an opportunity to give Jesus to the store clerk. The health struggle may be giving you a chance to speak to your doctor or your nurse about Christ. That break-in could just be another opportunity to witness to an officer. As I was studying for this, I, my mind immediately went to that break-in. Because the break-in that we had, you know, last week, was that last week? It's, my mind's time is just all flown together. That break-in we had last week, the officers that responded to that are the very uh, same officers that responded last time. Same, same crew. And, and no Robert, they've been here before. They've even stopped by just because before, because we have that relationship with the sheriff's office. You know what I was thinking afterwards with those officers, man? God continue to give us opportunities. I hope that it doesn't happen because of break-ins, but you know what? If that's what God wants to do, that they, our attitude should be, okay, Lord, God, bring, bring, give me boldness through my struggles. We're not in bondage, but we could call that struggle bondage. Give me boldness through, through my bondage. And Paul, he saw boldness through his bondage. And may I say tonight that whatever your struggles or my struggles are, may we see them as an opportunity, opportunity, to just share Jesus with people. Hey, can I apply it very quickly to your week? This coming week, every one of us are gonna have some struggles. Every one of us are gonna have challenges. I don't know what they're gonna be. For some, they might be minor and small. For others, it might be huge. It might be, a, it might be something catastrophic or life-changing. We, we never know what the week holds. But we can go into the week choosing, God, help me to see positive through negative. Help me to see an opportunity an opportunity to speak boldly about you, even in my struggles. I see that Paul looking at this, in our passage tonight, I see him looking at bondage and he, he saw through bondage and through that bondage came boldness. But I see secondly tonight that through misery came magnification. Through misery came magnification. Notice if you will in our passage, verse 19. Paul said this, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, Paul is just simply saying that their prayer could bring about what he needs to be released. The salvation there just means deliverance. He's saying, hey, if you pray, man, Jesus might supply a deliverance. But notice verse number 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with 
all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In these verses, verse 20 and 21, Paul is simply saying this, regardless of what happens, my prayer is that Jesus would be magnified. That's what he's saying. Regardless of what happens, my prayer is that Jesus would be magnified. I'm in suffering. I'm in a miserable state. I hope to be out soon. But no matter what, I just pray that he is magnified. Do you see that right in the middle? That whether it be, or uh, he says, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it's by life or by death. And then he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That verse is a great verse. Here's what it means. To me, life is about Christ and to die is gaining Christ. If I die, I gain him. I'm gonna be in his presence. But if I'm alive, I'm gonna live for him like I'm in his presence. To me, life is about Jesus and death is about gaining Jesus. You know, Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, I'm not worried about this situation. I'm not struggling in this situation. I'm not fearful about what is going to happen right now. What he's saying is this, I simply am worried about the glory of Jesus. I just want him to be lifted up. Don't you think with me, this was Paul's heart all throughout his ministry, wasn't it? Paul's life was just about glorifying Christ. <coughs> I was thinking of uh, him talking about this and to the church at Colossae, to, to the church at Colossae, he wrote this. That he, Jesus, is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hey, you want Jesus to be at the forefront. And to the, to the Romans, he wrote, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm writing to you to help you learn to give God glory. 1 Corinthians six 19, you're bought with a price. To the individual believer, he writes, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He would later, or earlier, he wrote, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, hey, if you're gonna glory in anything, let him glory in the Lord. To the churches at Galatia, he said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. To the church at Ephesus, he said unto him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Listen, in all of this, Paul is simply saying, regardless of what happens to my life, I just want people to see him. Hey, regardless of what happens to me, I just want people to see Jesus. I want him to be magnified. In Paul's time of trial, he was simply wanting one thing. He was wanting people to focus on Jesus. He was wanting Jesus to be magnified. He wanted everything about his life and even his death to point to Christ. Can I tell you this evening that this is something that's totally contrary to modern day Christianity? Really, if all of us would be honest, more often than not, we are filled with wanting everything to be pointing to us. We want the world to see us. We want culture or people to know us. We want 
the workplace to know us. We want notoriety. We want to be noticed and we want to be known. And if we're struggling through something, we want people to know and to feel sorry for us and to, to sympathize with us and give us that compassion. And if we're, if we're doing well, well, we want people to know and, and take note of our success and how good things are going. But this wasn't the outlook of Paul. The outlook of Paul was, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what's said about me. I don't care what's said against me. I don't care if I live or if I die. In all of it, I just want Jesus to be magnified. May we have this outlook in our situations. No matter what is happening in our life, in our life may we have the same spirit of, I just want Jesus to be magnified. I just want him to be lifted up. It's not about me. We shouldn't want people seeing us. We should want people seeing him. May we have that heart of David when David wrote, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. There's an old, there's a song that's been out for a number of years. I can't even think of the lyrics now, but it's just simply the thought of, man, when I die, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave people thinking, wow, they were such a good person. When I die, I want people to say, wow, they pointed to Jesus. And Jesus is the person that they're what they were all about. That old uh, little kids chorus, when the world looks at me, may they see Jesus. May that be our, our prayer and our heart. And in your struggles, may we ask the Lord to help us have a desire that through misery or through blessing, he would be magnified. I see tonight in this passage that through, bold, through bondage, Paul, he saw boldness. Through misery, Paul saw magnification. But I want you to notice also, and lastly with me tonight, that through pressure came purpose. Through pressure came purpose. Notice what Paul writes. He says in verse number 22, as he continues this thought about life or death, he says, if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor. He's talking about knowing uh, about the life representing Christ and the people and all of those things. He says, yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two. I'm wrestling between two decisions. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Wouldn't we say amen to that? (laughs) Nevertheless, To abide in the flesh, the other decision, is more needful for you, the church. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance of, for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. In these verses right here, we're reading about some of the pressure that Paul was facing. He was struggling with a desire to just die. Now this is, some, some say, well, Paul was thinking about suicide. That's not here at all. No, Paul was just like, man, I almost want them to execute me, uh, you know, just so I can be done. Let's be honest, we've all, we've all had that before. Not the execution. But I know many people that have said this phrase, even so, come Lord Jesus. Man, even so, come Lord Jesus. 
You know, I just want to be done with life. If I was having us raise our hands, everybody's hand would go up. Now, does that mean you're thinking about suicide? No, not at all. Just thinking, you know, if, if I got in a car wreck today and went to heaven, praise the Lord. Why? Because we look at the end and we look at us, right? We look at, we look at our life and we say, man, if I died, all my suffering would be over. I mean, our death is just really the beginning because we know Christ is our Savior. Oh, now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, death is a scary thing. If you don't know Christ as Savior, death is something that you look at and say, I, I don't know because I don't know where I'd go when I die. I don't know that I, that I have Jesus in my life. But for those of us that do know Christ, we look at death and we say, man, bring it on. <laughs> Why? Because... Death is just the beginning for a Christian. That's where Paul was. He was saying, man, I have a desire. You see it there? I have a desire to depart and be with the Lord. But I also have a desire to stay here and invest in other people. I also have a desire to stay here and encourage you, Church of Philippi. I have a desire because... Abiding in the flesh, staying here, it's more needful for you. And then notice what he says when he says in verse, uh, verse number 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. What's he saying there? Paul's saying, but God's already given me a confidence that he's gonna keep me around here longer to be an encouragement to you. What is this? I see that Paul was in some pressure. He was in a struggle, just knowing, man, I wanna be with God, but I also wanna be here. But through that pressure, God reignited his purpose. Hey, no matter what's going on, I'm here to invest in people. And you think about everything that Paul is writing right here, it's, it really all goes together hey, I've been in a struggle, but through my struggle, Jesus has been preached. Jesus has been lifted up and he's given me more purpose to point more people to Jesus. It's Paul saying through any negative, through my negative, I'm just seeing positive. And this is Paul saying through pressure, I know that God has given me purpose. Can I say tonight that one of the best ways to see past our struggles is to see the purpose of God using our life to invest in others through our struggles. See that God has purpose for you that is beyond you. Allow your pressures that you face to stir within you a purpose of pouring into or investing into somebody else. Paul understood and realized that if he was a blessing to others, it would be a blessing or encouragement to him because that's what he says in verse number 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming unto you again. Uh, and later in the book of Philippians, Paul is gonna write to them saying, hey, as I encourage you, you're gonna encourage me. It's just reciprocal. But here's Paul's thought. Paul's mindset was this, that when we get our focus off of us and onto those around us, we can often receive a blessing that we're not even expecting. He allowed his pressures to stir within him a purpose. And you and I, we could do the same. We could allow the pressures you face 
to stir within you a purpose of investing into other people. As I look at the passage before us tonight, I just see that Paul, he was in a horrific situation that many of us would say, please God, don't ever let me go through what Paul went through. And yet in his situation, he saw so much positive. As we look at the title of the series, Next Level Christianity, I just want to give this tonight, that Next Level Christianity, it sees the positive through the negative. Some might call this being optimistic or pessimistic, but I really believe it's about being a biblical Christian and living Next Level Christianity. You see, Next Level Christianity sees the sun in the midst of the storm. Next level Christianity sees opportunity to tell people about Jesus regardless of the circumstance. Uh, Next level Christianity sees the chance to glorify Christ even when my situations are miserable. Next level Christianity sees purpose to build others even when facing insurmountable pressures. And so tonight I just wanna, wanna challenge you with one thought for this week. And the thought is live next level Christianity by seeing positive even in the midst of negative. Our culture right now, and I was talking with a lady this week, our culture right now is just inundated. People around us are inundated. They are uh, immersed in negativity. Everybody, I was talking even with my mom tonight, everybody is, people are living in fear. I mean, just afraid, afraid of COVID, afraid of riots, afraid of the elections, afraid of what's going to happen overseas, afraid of uh, this peace treaty now that was just been signed. I mean, people are just afraid. You know what the world doesn't need? One more person living in fear. The world does not need one more Christian saying, oh, let's just hunker down and hope Jesus comes back. No, the world needs you living your life The world needs you getting out of the house. The world needs you going to the store and going to the coffee shop and going out to eat. The world needs you going to church. The world needs you and I to say, I'm in a bunch of negative, but my God always brings positive out of negative. And this opportunity, this COVID situation, it might just be a new way for us to share Jesus with people. Our political pressures that we face, that pressure, it might just be an opportunity to seem the purpose of investing in people. The miserable state that we are living in with the riots and everything taking place, it might just be an opportunity for us to say, it's all about Jesus. As I was talking to this lady I referenced just a moment ago this week, I said, I said, yeah, honestly, I said, I'm afraid that things will probably get worse before they get better. She said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, the, with COVID, I I said, there's, there's really a sickness out there. And some things I've said at our church before, there is a sickness out there, but it's been turned into a political weapon. And now people are just being driven by fear. There's a real sickness. There's really, there's, there's a lot of political unrest in our country right now. Man, the far left and the far right, they are at odds with each other. The elections are coming. And so now, with the, even with uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg dying, 
Now there's that struggle. Now there's going to be a big battle. Will the president appoint somebody? I mean, and now they're already going at it. There's a lot of negative. You watch the news, it's negative. You go to Seattle, you see negative. You go to Spokane, you see negative. You go to Moses Lake, and we're reminded again, man, you walk into a store and, and, and people bring things up again, or you have to go to a restaurant, can't eat inside. I mean, the, there's a lot of things, and, and this is really, it's, it's nothing, but it's just a negative. You know what culture doesn't need? Culture doesn't need a Christian saying, yep, yeah, even so, come Lord Jesus, this is all negative. I just can't wait to get out of here. And boy, this is all, this is all horrible and the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we better, we better hunker down. And do you, have your world, do you have your food supply for when the World War III happens? And are you taking that, you know, and we, we don't need that. Now, you know what this world needs? This world needs to see a Christian that says, hey, it's all about Jesus. And I told that lady, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. She said, are you sure? And I said, I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't know. I said, but I will tell you one thing. I said, I don't know where you're at and with God or, or, or church or Christianity or anything. I said, but I have God in my life. And I'll tell you this, I'm so thankful I have God in my life. I was like, because through all this, I just have hope. I just know that no matter what happens, God has me. No matter what happens, he's holding me. And as I stood there, as I sat there talking to her and she was standing walking by, she just looked at me and she just kind of shook her head and said, yeah, well, I know it's all crazy right now. I'll talk to you later. And really didn't know what to say. And I, you know what? I wasn't trying to make her feel uncomfortable. I was just trying to simply say, listen, when you know God, life can be different. I wonder this week who God might bring across your path that need, they need to see you seeing positive even in the midst of negative. You know, Christians sometimes can be the worst complainers, can't we? My mom always said, man, they're, they're going through life like they sucked on a lemon all morning. I just hope tonight that we would look at this week and say, God, I know I'm gonna face some challenges this week. I am, we are. We're gonna face challenges this week. But in the midst of, in the midst of our, of our struggles, our bondage, may we see boldness. God, in the midst of my struggles this week, give me boldness to speak you without fear. In the midst of our misery, the miserable situations that we face, may we say, God, in the midst of that, I just want you to be magnified. And this week, in the midst of all the pressures upon us and decisions that we have to make as we go from one day to the next, May we say, God, help me to see through, through pressure, help me to see my purpose of just investing in those around me. Understanding to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, to me, this life should all about Jesus. And if I die, I just gain Jesus. Why? It's all about him. And so I hope tonight that we'd be challenged this week. I wanna have the outlook of Paul. He's sitting in a Mamertine prison. <laughs> Worse off than us. He'd probably rather have COVID in 2020 than a Mamertine prison. So really our situation doesn't compare to his. And yet we can still choose to have the same outlook. That outlook is this. Next level Christianity sees the positive even in the negative. Jesus, I just want you to be lifted up. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed tonight and I wanna encourage you tonight that if God's spoken to you, will you just make a decision and respond to him and
just give you a couple of questions tonight. The first question I want to ask is this. If you know Christ as your Savior, that you've, you know you've put your faith and your trust in Him, if you know that, tonight would you make a decision? Just ask God to help you this week to see positive even in the midst of negative. God, would you help me this week to see positive even in the midst of negative? God, give me opportunity to share you. God, give me a chance to glorify you. God, help me to remember that purpose of investing in people around me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.